Father Towers, how you guys doing? Oh, it's so good to see each and every one of you. I would love for you to quickly uh, grab these cards that you found when you came in. Make sure that you have uh, a packet of these in your hands. Um, I want to tell you about this next series that's starting. And by the way, I want to encourage you to take these cards and invite friends and family. Because right at the back, it says the year is almost over. And many of you feel like we only started and it's already uh, Halloween's done. Thanksgiving is almost done. Uh, then it's Christmas and then life goes on. And in the human construct, God has placed eternity in our hearts. And we all desire to live lives that are impactful and it's not impactful in accumulation but the way that we touch the world around us and this series is all about that and I want to encourage you uh, that you come out next week as we start this series and I pray that it will be deeply moving to your heart and to my heart we're just waiting for our Greece campus in four seconds and our extension sites to join us. There we go. We want to welcome our Greece campus with us. We want to welcome those who are joining us online and our extension sites. We are so excited. Uh, those who are joining us, New York, New Jersey, Pennsylvania, Massachusetts, Delaware, Illinois, North Carolina, Georgia, Florida, California, Arizona, Brazil, Canada, and Tunisia. We want to welcome you online with us. We are so Grateful that you are here. Hey, men, I want to tell you about campus nights uh, coming up. There are four campus nights for women and four campus nights for men. You say, what is a campus night? Well, that's when we as guys come together, and we'll be getting together at the Greece campus this Tuesday night at 6 p.m. and every other week for four weeks. You say, what are we going to do there? Well, first of all, the reason why we have campus nights is because if you're an introvert like me and you're invited to a small group at a house, the first thing I fear is cats. The second thing is, how long is this going to take? And are you going to ask me questions? Do you know what I mean? It's like freaking me out. Rather send me a small group postcard. That's how I feel. But campus nights are different. The conversation, um, the curriculum that we have prepared and went to go record it, it's talking about the fact that we are born male, but we become men. And if you don't understand this, many men die still just being male because they've never become a man. And, and guys, we, we've recorded sessions, seven minutes and 12 minutes. Two of those, we're going to eat together, laugh together. I'm going to be there. Staff's going to be there. And here is my deal with you. Why don't you try it out? If you don't like it, don't show up again to campus nights. But you can come to church, of course. But I want to encourage you wives, encourage your husbands, because there is a beautiful brotherhood that happens when we grow together. So I want you to check out this video real quick uh, before we get ready for our message. Let's talk about your spiritual journey. Why am I here? What is the purpose of life? What is the meaning of life? What is the difference between being male or being a man? No person can be whole without both knowledge and wisdom. Acting like a man doesn't mean puffing out your chest and being a tough guy. How then is strength defined?
Hey, so I, I want to take a moment real quick. Um, back in 1995, 1996, uh, you may not know it, but uh, we're originally from South Africa, and we planted a church back home, and uh, there was uh, a family with us, the Backhouses, uh, that was part of our church plant back home. And then we came to the U.S., and God has got such a beautiful sense of humor because I remember praying over their son, Wes, and saying, Wes, God's hand is on your life. You're still going to be in ministry one day. Uh, who would have known that we would be employing Wes after all these years and Wes has been serving? But here is the big deal. Um, we are so eternally grateful uh, my family a couple of years ago became citizens of the United States and I'm still looking for a crime so I can make a citizen's arrest just to prove that. But this week, Wes Backhouse became a citizen of the United States. Now, I, 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 Wes, I, I, you've got to come here because I got you a special t-shirt made. And we want to thank Misty for helping with the t-shirt because you, the swearing in is a big thing and then they announce you and then they call out his name. Wes Edward Backhouse from South Korea. <laughs> so we want to congratulate you. Wes Backhouse should have been from South Africa, but eternally you connected to South Korea. Congratulations, Wes. It's so awesome. And then lastly, as you know, we going to Israel. We have limited space, and six spaces have gone available. We had a waiting list, and if you want to join us, Marlies and I, leading a tour, uh, it is going to be fabulous. I promise you, the tours that we do are not boring. It is so stinking much fun. And I want to encourage you, if you want to go with us, six spaces, you can pick this up at our welcome center. It would be amazing to have you. Let me pray for us, uh, because I'm going to be closing out the series, um, and I believe the Lord has got something to say to our hearts, Father, all these beautiful people in this place, uh, your sons and daughters, all of them, those who feel loved, those who feel far, I'm so thankful that you never move in proximity to us because your love over us is eternal, uncomplicated. So I pray for every heart, everyone hearing my voice, Lord, that you would give us hearing hearts listening ears and a responsive nature that we will not seek agreement but father we would seek obedience thank you for hearing this prayer in jesus name amen can we just welcome i uh, thank our worship teams and tech teams and volunteer teams at all of our campuses thank you so much guys so today uh i want to talk to you about a box because we all arrive into relationships with a box. Now I realize we have many kinds of people. Some of you uh, have been married for a long time. Others uh, married kids. Others, you are still in there. We can go to movies whenever we want to. How do I say I hate you without saying that? Like that freedom is so beautiful. You can just go. Uncomplicated, others are engaged to be married and others are dating, others don't want anything to do with it. And, but yet, all of us come into relationships with a box. Our, our, our box are really our hopes, our dreams, and our desires. Now, what is interesting, what is in your box 
is uniquely the same, yet so different. Some of the things that are definitely in there is your dream about the house you're going to live in one day. It's your dream. Uh, you may not know exactly what it looks like, but you've got a feel for what it is. Um, the second thing um, that, that, is how are you going to spend your money? By the way, this South African money, it's worth nothing, so don't come and steal it. Um, yeah, it's, it's how I'm going to spend money, how are we going to spend money. You, you have a concept, an idea how this is going to go down, and then you may not have thought much about it, but how many kids we're going to have? And apparently, Amazon sent me twins. Um, that's what apparently is going to happen in my dreams. And then you, you begin to think further of how chores are going to be done in our house. There, there is some mindset around that. And then when we have any arguments, I know how we're going to solve those. Um, because I have seen it done, or I don't like how it's been done. So I have my own set, and, and I want to warn you, um, even though it seems insignificant, um, your parents come with you in your box. And because I've done this before, grandma has got to hang on because she doesn't stand well. So, so they come with you, and, and I want to make sure that you understand, I don't believe when you bring your parents into a relationship that it's a negative thing unless it, it was not good in your life. Now, what is so interesting about this when you and I daydream. We daydream about life. We day daydream about the future. Our dreams kind of evolves around whatever is in our box. And there are many more things. And here is the other thing that I want you to know when we think about what's in our box. We begin to look for the perfect per person that will complement our box. And instead of saying, how do I become an incredible human being, you say, I, I, I'm not going to work much on me. I'm just going to find the right person that wants twins, that wants to work with foreign money, understand I'm the boss, I never do chores, and mother-in-law is going to hang on. Uh, the, the old man can come over to paint the, the roof on the house. This is my game, and this is how it's going to go down. Now, I can tell you, I make fun of it, but when I got married... Uh, I came to the ceremony with a box and a ring. The box was invisible, but I was very clear I had a box. And I found Marlise, and for me, she was the perfect woman, um, and everything that's in my box, I felt, was reasonable, and she should be thankful my box is so beautiful on the inside. What I didn't understand at the time, she too had a box. And she came with a box and a ring, and she didn't tell me, but she thought, he's the perfect guy because he compliments everything that's inside my box, which is reasonable and expected. Because you see, the moment we get married, in time, we begin to open our box and hand, out, hand the box to our partners, and our, uh, our hopes, our dreams, and our desires now becomes expectation. You, you say, what is an expectation? Well, it is, this is how a good wife is supposed to act. This is how a good husband's supposed to act. In other words, all of a sudden you go, what are the signs that we have exchanged boxes and now it's expectation is when you begin to negotiate, when you begin to bribe, 
when you begin to bargain, when you begin to manipulate, and I'm going to give you some ways that I have experienced, and I'm not going to say in my relationship, because my wife is watching, and if she was sitting there, this would have been easier. Um, but I have seen um, with pastoral ministry how people manipulate with money. I have seen how people have manipulated with withholding sex and intimacy. I have seen people manipulate with passion aggression. I have seen all kinds and uh, turn to your neighbor and say, you very quiet right now. Are you one of those, those manipulating? Because what happens is, is when desires, hopes, and dreams turn into cold stone expectations that are crushing to the heart, and we begin to put guilt and shame on the other person because they are not supporting the best box in the world. They should be so lucky and Beautiful people, you know what happens in that moment. Now you form a debt-to-debtor relationship in your marriage. You say, well, what is a debt-to-debtor relationship? It's when I feel you owe me. Now let me explain to you how debt and debtor relationship work. If I give you money and, and you pay me back, um, I do not see your payment of that money as a gift because I feel you owe me money. And there's no gratitude, there is entitlement. I don't say thank you, I go like, where's the rest of it? When, when is it coming? Because in my mind, you owe me. And in your mind, I owe you. And can I just speak to couples that's been married a long time? I, I want to say this, that I have seen and, and have experienced that when kids are old enough no longer to need you, that you almost regress to the beginning stages of having to rediscover that my box, your box, I owe you, you owe me. What's the deal? Because now we've got to reshape it. And can I beg you from the bottom of my heart, uh, if you've been married 30, 40 years, and, and, and all you are doing is coexisting and you are living single lives in a house that is quiet, Please don't give up on seeking a restoration and the rebuilding of that dream because it is miserable to live in a miserable way. And in this country, they keep you alive a very long time. Because here is the beautiful thing. The greatest gift we give our kids is not an inheritance. It's coming home to a happy mom and a happy dad. That's the greatest gift you can give your grandbabies that they can believe that relationships are not that disposable in life. So the question is, say is that neither gratitude or love can truly exist when we have a debt and debtor relationship. So how do we keep that from happening? Well, the first honest question that you've got to ask, and let me get as close as I can to you, is to ask the person your relationship with, what? Do you think I owe you? Because when you ask the question, and the question is asked in return, um, you will have to get an answer because people that understand this principle remains married for a very, very long time and happily married. They know this, I owe you everything, but I'm owned nothing in return. Because Scripture puts this principle in place. And I know you go like, that's just stupid. Why would I do that? Because let me, let me explain to you this way before I read the scripture. Can I remind us that marriage and relationship 
predates any culture and any Dr. Phil and any Oprah and anything, every smart person, every Tony Robbins, God predates all of that. And marriage was His idea. And when we understand it, He's the creator of it, and He wrote the manual on how it works best. It transcends culture because it's made in the heart of God. That's why these principles are upside down. You know the kingdom of God is upside down. Please say yes, please say yes, please say yes. You know God says if you want to be uh, affluent and you want to be enriched in life, be generous with your life when you give it away, it kind of come back multiplied. If you want to be great, learn to be a servant. If you want to get to the top, Learn how to serve at the bottom. God's kingdom works the other way around. That's why when you understand these principles in Romans chapter 13, verse 8, I would love for us to read it out loud. Come on, just turn to the person next to you, would you, and say, I'm here for you, so I'm going to help you and heal you today by reading this out loud. Come on. Romans 13, verse 8 goes like this. Oh, nothing to anyone except for your obligation to love one another. Oh, so good. Oh, can you turn to the person next to you? I know it irritates you. I know, I know. Every time I'm in a church and somebody does that, I go like, that's so stupid. Why do they keep doing that? But would you turn to the person next to you and say, you owe me nothing but to love me. Come on. Turn to the other person and say, you owe me nothing but to love me. Because the Bible says the, the, the borrower is a slave to the lender. Do you understand that marriage is not slavery? You owe me nothing but to love me, and I, I love this. You see, the marriage that God created operates not on have-tos, but a set of want-tos. Have-tos. Let me explain to you what I mean by have-tos. No marriage that is infused with the beauty of God love ever has a list of the code of conduct. How you have to act if you want to be married to me. Oh, can I, can I explain this? And I know it's messing with you right now because I know some of you are dating and you've made your, your non-negotiable have-tos. Can I help you? I've been married 30 years, I think. Feels like a long, long... I'm, I courted for seven years. I practically own her. Do you know what I mean? This is really true. Can I tell you the truth? Nobody can act a certain way for the rest of their life and stay happy. Nobody can go like, I've got to be happy and walk slow because that's who she wants. And I've got to wave like the queen. <laughs> and and no, nobody can do that. There comes a day when you go like, to heck with the queen, to heck with the way you want. I will walk and eat the way I want. <laughs> I can give you an example. Um, I will eat cereal in the kitchen and 12 o'clock, my wife will come out of the room on the opposite of the house and say, do you really need to chew like a horse? <laughs> People, I go like, baby, I will chew like that till the day I die. So either love this horse or put a pillow on your head. Because we have to be free in who we are. But here is the thing I want you to know. Who we are needs to be changed by the power of who Jesus is. Otherwise, you can't walk around and go like, Pastor P says, accept me, and I'm just obnoxious. No. 
It's the you that's becoming more like Jesus is what we're talking about. It's the you and the image of Christ what keeps things together. The second thing I want to say to you is that it doesn't exist because there is an exchange of service. Can I, can I draw a little bit closer? You don't go like, okay, baby, if I take out the trash and I wash your car, am I going to get lucky tonight? Come on now. <laughs> Husband's just looking for her. I hope she gets it. Jesus, please, 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 please. Wives, because the please. There's no exchange of service. There's no, it's no have-tos, it's one-to. It's one-to. Do you understand? It's one-to. Because we've got to fix the love in our heart because that's the one that drives it. When we get to the place of negotiating and bargaining, and if you don't, then I won't. And if you don't clean the car, I will not feed you for five years. I don't care if you drop dead. This is not how things stay together because ultimately it's when something happens on the inside of our hearts. Oh, Anaji, you can come out. I'm going to uh, get this wrapped up. So, I, I believe with all of my heart, there is a concept that I want to present to you, and, and it's not a concept that goes well with our culture. It's not a concept that if you've been hurt in relationship, it's easy to understand. It's, it's not a concept, concept that comes uh, natural to our nature. Uh, when you hear it, you're going to go like, no, no, that's the way that you're going to get hurt. But, but I, I want to share with you a concept that I want to call running to the back of the line. Because if there is an understanding of this word, the running to the back of the line, and both people, a mutual partnership happens to running to the back of the line in order to make you first, there is something beautiful that happens in that moment because Jesus um, he's, he's in the upper room with his disciples and and. He knows he's going to give his life for them. And Scripture says there's no greater love has a man than to give his life for his brother. Let me get close to as much as I can and say this. Uh, the, when marriage is at its best is when love as, is at its loudest. And when love is its loudest, we are willing to lay down our dreams, our hopes, our aspirations in order to accelerate your dreams, your hope, and your, your everything. It's when, when we, are, we are saying your best over my best, uh, that is at the very construct of the power of love because Jesus says to his disciples, I'm going to give you a new commandment. Now, in John 13, 34, and they're going to put the scripture up, it was a scandalous statement. Who is he to give a new commandment? That means you want to say that God's commandments come second. The rabbi, there's 634 commandments that they were living under. Jesus says there's one that holds them all. If you do this one, you will obey the others. He says a new commandment I'm giving you. Now, love each other, come on, just as I have loved you. In other words, Jesus says, he didn't say just love each other. No, because he knows some of us, our love looks strange. Can, can, can I be honest? Your, your love looks strange. You say to your wife, I love you, and that remains standing till the day I tell you I don't. So let's not have this conversation again. 
that strange love. You go like, but that's the only love I know. I know. That's why I say Jesus was wise enough to say, just as I have loved you. Jesus could have gone to the room and say to his disciples, Nathaniel, before you followed me, I heard what you said about me when you heard about my name. You said, can anything good come out of Nazareth? You're filled with prejudice and pride. You judge me. You diss my family, diss my school, diss my school teachers, diss our, our town, diss our camels. You just diss everything. But you know what, Nathaniel? I didn't judge you. Even though that hurt, I made room for you at my table because I saw the destinies of God in you. Hey, Matthew, let me just be honest with you for a moment, Matthew. You are the scum of the earth as a tax collector. Matthew, you're an enemy to your own people because you collect taxes on behalf of the oppressors. And then you cheat people. You steal from people. You are the worst kind of human that, that has ever seen the planet. And you know what, Matthew? You know what I did? I didn't judge you. I didn't join the clan. I went to your house to sit at your table at the risk of my own expense, of my own image and my own name. Matthew, when others didn't want you, I invited you in and made room at my table for you because I saw the destinies of God in you. Peter, dude, you need anger management. You chop ears off. Really, really, really like outbursts of rage and anger. You're a fisherman, and by the way, people think you're stupid. You go like, where'd you get that, Pastor P? Uh, somewhere in Scripture, it says they, they looked about Peter, and they said, clearly, these are uneducated men, but they were with Jesus. But Peter, I didn't tell you, go to community college and at least get a bachelor. No, Peter, I love the stupidity in you because I saw the passions and the destinies of God in you. Hey, Peter, I opened my arms and I accepted you. Now, let, let me ask you this. Let me ask you about the love of God in your life. And, and, and this is one that you've got to answer. Let me ask you, has God been patient with you? A apparently, three people. Has God been patient with you? Okay, God's listening right now, okay? I'm only saying, He's watching, so answering may be good. Has God been patient with you? Has God been kind to you? Has God been um, kind with your tantrums? Has God been kind with your sinful repetitions? Has God been kind with your harsh words? Has God been kind with your stupidity? Has God ever thrown you out when you ask sorry again for the same thing? Uh, has God ever hit you with lightning? Has God ever given you the silent treatment for five years? Has God ever told you nasty things about you because you're just not nice? What has He done? Open His arms, welcomed you in. And he says this, the same way that God has treated you, treat the ones you cross your path with in the same way, in the same way. So here is my final saying. Here comes Paul, and Paul is writing to husbands and wives. Now I know some of you go like, well, I'm not going to get married. Just in case, just in case. Just make room to hear this last out. And Paul is writing, and I know 
Many of you know scripture, go like, I know what he's going to do. He's going to go to that submit wives to your husband thing. And I go like, yeah, I really think that unless you understand culture, I have seen people use that so out of context that it's hurtful. Because I want you to know that he was not speaking only to women. He was speaking to men. But the primary conversation was not one to push people down. Because I've I'm going to say it, and it didn't sit well in the previous service. So it's probably not going to sit well in this service either. Please turn to the person next to you and say, let's forgive him before we even say that. Then let's just get it over with. <laughs> Listen. Men, you can't not grow and then use submission to keep your wife that is strong at a place of weakness. Can I just say that? Can, can I just put it a little bit deeper? Ladies, I, I, I need your amen just about now. Listen, can I just tell you something? I, I'm, not, I'm not defending or saying anything. When, when Paul was writing this about women, they were legal property of men. Men, the women were the property of, uh, of men and their children were property. There was a, a law that a man could say three times to his wife, I divorce you, I divorce you, I divorce you. Just because she burnt the toast, it's over. That's the kind of power he had over the wife. So when Paul talks about submission with women, the women didn't go like, oh my God, I cannot believe. No, they were already in a place of weakness in culture. So he was not saying something to put them down. He was saying something to the husbands. He says, husbands, submit to your wives. As Christ submits to the Father, can I say this? Jesus is equal with God, but the Bible says he chose to humble himself to serve the purposes of God. Can I tell you what Paul is writing? He is saying this. He says in, in uh, Ephesians 5, 21, this is my last scripture. Come on, high five the person next to you and say, he's done. He's done. Thank you, Jesus. Forget that last submission thing. Let us get to the next submission thing. Ephesians 5, 21. He says, husbands and wives, submit yourself to. Come on, to who? Why? Because of your reverence to Christ. I love the word reverence mean in light of what Christ has done for you. Oh, I love that. Oh, I stink and love that so much. What is he saying? He's saying that our boxes are filled with hopes, dreams, and aspirations. And he says, here's an idea that you live in a place of discovering what is in your partner's box and you take your energy, your resources, your heart, your life, and say, how can I make your box come alive? Because can I say this? Oh, I've got to get to a camera and get really close. I, I want to really put this down. Every human heart is laid up with destiny. Every human heart is gifting talent and ability. When you get married, you don't bury your destiny, your, your calling, your talent. A husband doesn't need to become less. A wife doesn't need to become less. 
Love never makes anyone less. Love makes it more. Love says, how can I search your dream? How, how can I accelerate your dream? How, how can I make sure that you become a human being that is fully alive? That is what love does. That's what love believes. And I know somebody is saying, dang, Pastor P, you've no idea. Her dreams are expensive, man. You have no idea. Can I tell you something? I've heard guys complain about their wives' dreams and all they get is a mixer. But you've got a boat and golf clubs and a new truck and a new everything. Husbands, I'm not hitting down on you. I'm just saying there is a love that seeks to ask the question. And I want to give you homework. I want to give you homework, first of all, is to cancel the expectation. Secondly, is to ask your spouse, what is in your box, baby? Now, husbands, when you say that, she's going to keep you busy for a long time. Your job is not to be an accountant or a navigator and go like, oh, dear God, that's impossible. Now we've got to move to California. I, no, your job, all you need to do is just say, wow. Come on, guys. I'm going to help you. Just say it with me. Say, wow. Just all you need to say is, Wow, baby. And allow God to make loud the dreams that are birthed in heaven. Then wives, you can ask your husband, hey, hun, what's in your box? The answer you're going to get is nothing. That's <laughs> what you're going to get. He's going to go like, what? Nothing. I'm all here, baby. No, no. It isn't there, but can I just be honest with you? I, I think we've been so busy making a living that we have forgotten how to dream. I, I believe there's so many men, and that's why Campus Night's so important, that need to understand a dreaming heart is a heart alive. Guys, if you just make a living, come home, sit in front of the TV, drink beer, and wait for the cycle to just run and run and run, you are already the walking dead. There are too many walking dead people. There are walking dead people in this room right now because God says there's dreams that he has placed in our heart. Dreams, dreams for good things. And once we have begun to ask each other what is in the box, then we may need to ask how can I accelerate your next step and serve the moment. You go like, but what if this doesn't work? Can I tell you something? Love never asks for guarantees. You know how I know? Because when we were yet sinners, God sent His Son. Jesus died even for the stubborn ones among us. The ones that are sitting here and go like, I will squish you, little man. Like, why am I even in this stinking place? He died for you. He had no guarantees that you will ever soften your heart and change your mind. But he risked love, risk. And even if we get hurt a thousand times, at least I know the taste of love. So my prayer today is that you and I will risk doing it God's way. That we will go home and live for the dreams of the other and become the person 
that shows Jesus and the way he loved us. In closing, I want to show you a three-minute video. I beg, 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 beg. Don't slip out. Maybe in this video, you will hear the voice of heaven one more time. Check it out. I think I came home from work one day. You know, I'm just in the routine, come up the stairs, drop my stuff off at the door. She was up, had the lights on, and uh, no, she wants to pray with me. So we bowed our heads, and at the end of the prayer, she asked God to uh, just prepare us, prepare our steps, prepare me to be uh, the father that she was now pregnant with. It was pretty much everything I thought he would be because I knew those qualities existed in him. He's caring. So with Nala, it's just on another level. <laughs> he loves the hell out of that girl, and, and she loves him too. She's a strong mother. I don't know how she already knows what to do, but it seems like she's been doing this for a while. Yeah. It's, it's impressive. I don't have doubts or reservations about the next one coming into the world. You're just a good dad. Like She's got you wrapped around her finger. Like She's going to be the spoiled little girl because of you. <laughs> it's all right. <laughs> um, really just coming to terms with the party being over and really maturing. Um, a lot of times shooting myself in the foot with my drinking. One time I came home and, you know, she, uh, she said something that really triggered me. And, you know, I know I yelled at her. I don't know exactly what I said, but I know I was yelling at the top of my lungs. And she was fearful. She was scared. And uh, it wasn't pretty. Definitely dealing with Cameron's sobriety. He's one way when he's sober, and then when he drinks, he's a completely different person. He wasn't abusive at all or anything, but it's just, he changed. They are things that are forgiven, but they can't really be forgotten. Without the alcohol, without the distractions, he's everything. Like, I know what his intentions are, and they were never to hurt me on purpose, so. Dealing with, you know, my drinking and dealing with my smoking, yeah, just really making some, some difficult changes with my life. I forgave you, but it's, there are triggers that come up for me, mm -hmm. and so it brings it all up again. Mm -hmm. I'm way better at, you know, pushing them out. I'm glad that, you know, I have your forgiveness. You know, I, I struggle with forgiving myself. You know, I've, I'm the one that hurt you the worst. I know who you are outside of that guy who overdrank. So I would love to pray for you, and I'm going to ask if you are sitting next to your, your wife, husband, that you hold hands, if you are dating, you hold hands, that doesn't mean you're going to get married. If you are courting, hold hands. If you are single, hold your own hands. Just, it's a sign, it's a sign of connection, it's a sign of, God, here I am, and your thoughts over me are good thoughts.
Father, I pray for every beautiful son and daughter of you in this place. God, so many carry the, the scars and the memories of what didn't work. But I pray that the beauty of heaven will breathe life and hope into dreams, aspirations, that you will awake the walking dead. I pray that you would bring peace in homes, peace in hearts, for you promise I will turn the hearts of the husbands to the wives and the hearts of the wives to the husbands. God, that you would bring hope that the arguing will stop, the triggers will stop, the selfishness will stop, the entitlement will stop, that you will do a work in every single one of us inside, that we will become the very living, breathing example of the way that you loved us first. That is my prayer. And while every head is bowed and every eye is closed, God sent his son Jesus to reconcile us back to the Father. I say this every week. Scripture says we are like sheep. And we have gone astray. Sheep, by nature, wanders. Sometimes we take our eyes off the shepherd. Sometimes we just get preoccupied. And sometimes we make a run for it. Yet, the arms of heaven is always open. And I want to remind you, the Bible says, no one can come to the Father unless... He calls you first. That's why he says, when you hear my voice, don't harden your heart. I will not call with you forever. And I want to remind us that unless God calls, we cannot respond. And when he calls, he says, respond. You say, Pastor P, what does that mean? That means acknowledging that if you are cut off from the source of life, no matter what you earn, where you live, you are disconnected from life, true, true life. For me, there is a reality about heaven and hell that's secondary to the beauty of living in a oneness with the one who created you. And if you are here today and you're hearing my voice and you say, I feel that's me. I can just feel this. Butterflies are flying and I know this moment. God's calling and I want to come home to him. I'm not going to ask that you come to the front, but just so I know who I'm praying with, if you can just raise your hand and drop it so I can just see who's saying, I'm coming home, Jesus. I'm coming home. I'm seeing hands going up everywhere. So beautiful, so beautiful. Hands going up everywhere. So beautiful. Those who are joining us online, you can simply click the respond button so that you know God is where you are. I'm going to lead you in a simple prayer. Bible says, with your mouth, you will confess with your heart, you'll believe. I'm going to ask that you whisper this prayer with me. And Father South Church family, would you join us in praying this prayer? Say, Heavenly Father, I'm hearing your voice and I'm coming home. Create me a new heart. Forgive me. Cleanse me. Jesus, I believe you're the Son of God that died for my sin and rose from the dead. And you said, if I call upon your name, you'll save me. You're a promise keeper. That's why I know that today is the first of the rest of my life. I'm forgiven. My debt is canceled. And I'm coming home to open arms. Thank you for hearing this prayer. 
In Jesus' name I pray. Amen.